Hello and welcome to the Traumanomics Podcast, a place where we discuss a wide range of topics emphasizing healing, change, and growth for abuse survivors. Drawing from personal and professional experiences, we'll discuss issues openly for those in helping positions such as parents, educators, health and mental health professionals, and members of law enforcement. This is Dr. Chris Bertelson. Chris is a survivor, educator, and author. As a teenager, Chris was a target of a notorious child molester in his hometown, a man who went on to abduct and murder one of the victims. This abduction case went unsolved for 27 years. Chris was instrumental in helping bring attention to the cases, which were eventually solved in 2016. And this is Jordan Howard. Jordan is a therapist here in Arkansas with extensive experience working with abuse victims and males in particular. In addition, Jordan works with couples and people with addictions. Together, we hope to share stories and commentary of resilience and healing in a caring and lighthearted way, bringing attention to issues of abuse, addiction, and the effects on individuals and society. Hey guys, and welcome to the Traumanomics Podcast. Uh, Chris and I are sitting here and uh, about to about to kind of kick off our part two discussion of kind of where we ended uh, last week and talking about um, returning citizens and you know, people that have struggled with trauma, addiction, have led to incarceration. Um, and so we kind of want to jump right in and, and kind of kind of take off on that part twos. I know, I think I can speak for Chris in this saying that this topic is so broad. It's one of those that again just needs a lot of time to really right. address. Well, so, you know, part of it too is that there's it's at least two parts: prevention and um, and cure, right? And mm-hmm. so part of it is you know we talked about last episode about prevention and the role of you know helping kids that are experiencing these things, kids that um, you know let's face it, if they're getting into trouble early on. They're getting in the system, so to speak, and they tend to stay in that system. And so, you know, one of the things I discovered during my research is something called the school-to-prison pipeline. And there's a lot of research on the school-to-prison pipeline. Honestly, I don't even want to uh, delve into that topic right now, but I'll just, I'll just say that one of the things is that, in particular with, you know, students of color, the way kids are disciplined in school leads to more suspensions, which leads to more interaction with law enforcement, which makes them more prone to being in the system and incarcerated, ultimately. And so, um, you know, if you're interested in the school-to-prison pipeline, there's a lot of good research on it, good good writing about it. But I'm going to go back to what we were talking about last time. You know, w- what do we do about folks who are who are incarcerated. This is a this is a tough topic because there's different types of offenders, right? There's violent offenders, there are sexual offenders, there are drug offenses, uh, you know, kind of runs the gamut. And so I don't know, I am not a uh, I'm not a therapist, first of all, you know, and I'm not a, uh, you know, I'm not an expert in what works and what doesn't necessarily. But I do know that when folks come out of prison with a record, it's hard to get a job. Mm -hmm. And that, and, you know, that has implications for society. The fact that um, people have committed a crime, they've done some time, they come out, they can't work, or they can't, uh, they have a harder time getting a job, getting a place to live, things like that. That's the secret to our recidivism issue. Hard time getting a job, especially a good job. We right. Can throw that in. You right. Know. Well, and that and that's true. And so this was the this was the impetus for uh, researching starting a business. Now, if folks want to start a business, 
post-incarceration. We want them to run that business honestly, right? We don't want people, anybody, but, uh, you know, we don't want ex-offenders to come out and start their own business and then run it dishonestly either. Just right. like we wouldn't want other people to run a business dishonestly. And so I think there is a definitely a role for therapy, for rehabilitative services, things like that. Again, I'm speaking as a, a former teacher, and so I, but, you know. But I'll say that I think that there's so much good insight with that because I'm going to argue that, that teaching and educators in this probably have the first initial opportunity to work with this future pop because you're working with kids right you know, it, it, you know from the elementary ages on up I mean there, there's a vital role here right um, obviously the, the family system is is of utmost importance with this stuff but at least from a public and social end educators are kind of on the front lines right well and the family matters um, that does make a big difference but you know as we've talked before hope springs eternal right Absolutely. and so if students are you know they're in a class and they know that the teacher cares about them I had students who came from uh, just unbelievable circumstances and and have done very well for themselves mm-hmm. in, in education I you know the homeless students I mean it happens and so the role of educators and people in education is vital it's really important and, and you bring up something that I think is interesting, too, there. Um, to me, I mean, I'm just kind of throwing a question out there in general. To me, it seems like your statement, I guess, that um, looking at these ones that have done well is something we should probably be investing more time in, right? Because it's right. like, like, what was it about that particular person or their situation, you know, that the, the changed, that there right. was a turn? Some inflection know? point, family Absolutely. support from, from an un some family member or something but in terms of returning citizens the best things we can do I think are to prepare folks uh, for return with education some skills building partnerships with you know the local area I know in in Arkansas there's a few of the correctional units that have partnerships with different companies that will hire folks coming out they will you know they'll they'll give them temporary jobs there's some there's some partnerships where the offender works while they're incarcerated and the money is goes towards their family and they save part of it in an account for them because you think about it you're coming out of a situation like that with um, I mean you're in a survival mode absolutely you know I, and you know it's like okay now now you're free now what now what you know here you've been in this situation where things have been provided uh, you haven't had an opportunity to earn and save money probably um so then you you leave that facility and fend for yourself right and so there's some transitional things going on i mean halfway houses things like that of course um, that help but but ultimately the fear of not being able to take care of oneself is uh can be can be a very very strong motivator well, and to your point, Chris, there about uh, you know I, I don't um, while I don't necessarily have have experience about necessarily like looking over the uh, incarcerated individuals and their their system there. I can tell you from working in residential treatment uh, for substance abuse with a lot of the people we would have leaving there, and it was a ninety day program. How how scared a lot of times they would be leaving because they've been in a place that everything was structured provided and now it's like oh i've got to go do life again structured provided sounds like you're talking about a prison doesn't it it does okay so you know very similar um that that parallel and so what i would flip on that uh flip that on you a little bit and have you think about this too is 
So now you're getting out of that 90-day facility, except it's been years. Right. And you've got a record. Yeah, there you go. And so, you know, that's really the thing is developing partnerships, developing mentorships, really vital for for helping returning citizens. You mentioned mentorships. It's like I'm sitting here thinking as you're talking, like, while it's great, I think, to have, like, programs and things like that, and and you mentioned partnerships and mentorship, which I'm I'm like, yes, that makes a a lot of sense to me because I'm like, how many of these people, too, when they come out? You know, it's like, okay, there, there may be all these programs. There may be different things they've got. Right. But who's helping them, like, ac- like literally walking them? You know, these, these, again, if they've been in, let's say, 10 years, and they've been used to having everything sort of, here's life, here's what you can expect. Right. Like, there, there may be this stuff out there, but how do they know? How do they access it? How right. do they get there? Well, and there are, you know, in my research, there were a couple of units I went where individuals pointed out, introduced me to a couple of inmates in situations where the contact at the prison told me if you release these guys a couple of these guys they'd come running back to prison like they they are completely institutionalized Mm -hmm. um and and you know that's really not who we're we're talking about here of course is you know we're talking primarily and correct me if i'm wrong jordan i think we're talking about drug offenders yeah Uh, alcohol Drug related so. offenders. Well, well, that's, that's kind of yeah. crimes related to chemicals. Yes, uh, to addiction. That's yes. kind of what we're talking about here. Which is pointed out. You pointed out in the in you know last week's episode <clears throat> that there's a high number, high population right. of those in prison, right, because of drug offenses. Right. So you, you you know you hear about the folks that some persons in prison because they have their tenth DWI. What made them start drinking? You know that's Absolutely. you know and that's where I'm going back to. Um, that story, that journey. We don't know that story and journey. Oh. As we're talking, I do want to mention one thing too. We will be talking about victims for sure. We're, this is not, you know, odds are most um, returning citizens offenders were victims. We will talk specifically about victims too. Yeah. I, I, you know, and I don't want to give the impression that we're not concerned about victims, crime no. victims. We absolutely are. I am one. No. So. Well, but you, I think you named it and you said it best that, I mean, I think a lot of the times the people who have who have offended were once victims themselves, right. you know, right. of, some, of some degree, right. whatever you want to. I guess, it, you know, the thing is we're not, we're, we are not saying people aren't being justly punished. No. That is, that is not the case here at all. No. And I, you know, I don't think we, but, we said that. But, but I think something we have to look at, and I, I'm, you know, I'll throw this out there as a society. I think what we what something I've learned in my small scope of what I do is and I tell people this all the time the the consequences aren't going to matter long term the consequences you're feeling now working with an addiction you know your spouse leaving finances are gone like that might be motivation for the time being right. but long term that punishment aspect is not going to be it, it can't continue to be your motivator for change long term because right. it won't hold right. we'll forget about those consequences well I think it's sort of similar as we talk about these prison systems it's like Okay, we got the punishment aspect, we got it, but what do you do the long haul? If there's right. not some sort of rehabilitative aspect going on, what are we, what are we helping? You well, know? and we can assume that's the case because the recidivism rate, as we mentioned, is 50, 55, 60%. Which right? is so, mind-blowing. So yeah. it's not holding. That's what no. that tells us, no. is that either A, prison's not that bad, or B, there's no uh, greater alternative um, well, it, out, in, in right? simplistic Arkansas lingo, it ain't working. It ain't working. <laughs> it ain't working. Right. 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 You know? it ain't so. so, so yeah, it's um, it's something we really need to look at, and um, and so again, I go back to education therapy. You know, 
people don't know what they don't know. There you go. Why do I keep doing these things that I that I don't want to do? You know, that's the question. And so for folks, for returning citizens, what we want to do is, you know, we want to try to change that path, change yeah. that pattern. And don't you think, too, we probably, we probably oversimplify. I, I, I'll speak for myself. I think I do. And maybe our culture does a little bit, too, you know, just with movies and things you would see. But a lot of times it's just not it's not as clear cut. You know, we like to think, it's like, well, why would that person ever go back to doing this? It's like, well, when it's all you've known, when it is your world, it's your culture, it's the way things have been, we all do that. Right. We all have a tendency to do that. Right. So, and that's that's being educated. That's being, I mean, we still, you know, struggle with that, that particular issue. So um, this is not just an easy, it's not an easy fix. Well, and again, we, you have said in a couple of our episodes, you know, a lot of it's about relationships. And so uh, I think this, in this instance, too, it's also about relationships. There are other countries um, that have split time between uh, offenders go back home. Um, now, it depends on what their what, what the crimes crime? they've committed, things For like sure. that. But, you know, we have um, offenders can't access Internet, um, which, yes, I understand you don't want them if they're sex addicts or, or sure. in there for child pornography. You don't want them on the Internet. I understand yeah. that. But if you think about how have things changed in the last 10 years, think about yeah. your cell phone today versus a cell phone 10 years ago. And yet we expect um, folks to come out of, a, of being institutionalized, being incarcerated for 10 years and, and pick right back up. And so, again, that's a role for halfway houses, transitional housing, group homes, parole, probation. Those, those all facilitate these transitions. But, again, it comes back to income, fear, not having an income, things like that. Those are, those are huge barriers. And, they, and of course, they influence, they influence recidivism rates. For sure. Um, how much a person can travel if they're out of if they're out of a county, are they going to get arrested? Yeah. Going back to prison, they yeah. cross the county line, don't know it, you know, something like that. So those those things all those things all matter. They all play a role. Well, and it's not like like Chris was saying earlier. It's not you know we're not trying to give the impression that we're anti consequences either. I mean, obviously there's a time there's a time and place for for consequences to be applied, you know, to right. be imposed Absolutely. because of what somebody's done. Right. Uh, you know, I, and I, I tell people all the time, look, there's always choice. Choice is always there. However, I think you can't compare that choice. It is not the same. It's not the same choice uh, that that I think we think that it is at times. You know, I always use the example with with clients. You know, working with addiction specifically, it's like you know, uh, if, if if you and I are sitting here in this room and and you know, there's a there's a big jug of alcohol or something right here. It's right. like you know that 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 may take me a a one not to go use that deal. But somebody who's an alcoholic, it could be like it's taking everything in the fiber of their being not right. to grab it. Chug it, you know, take whatever, you right. know. And so, right. you know, I use that, that that analogy all the time. Yes, there's choice, but it's a different choice. Yeah, that's and I like think that. I think it is for the for the returning citizen as well. It's like, yes, they have choice. Some of these people had choices, but those choices are heavily influenced, you right. know. And so I just think we have to look at that as a, as a culture. I think you're right about that, you know. And, I, and uh, when you talk about addiction, oftentimes I think these consequences, for example, being arrested, you know, caught with a substance. I know folks that I know a, a gentleman who sold cocaine to an undercover uh, drug agent. Mm-hmm. That event and the consequences of that event got him into rehab. 
got him into treatment, yep. got him into recovery. It was a bottom. It was yeah. a bottom. Yep. And so I, I think that those consequences do matter. They sometimes, and, and they sometimes you know, help. thank yeah. you to our, our law enforcement officers who, uh, who risk that, right? They're yep. out there, they're, hand, they're working with these people, that, right. you know, and uh, my officer friends, you know, they're, they're typically not seeing people at their, in their finest <laughs> moments, <laughs> right? right? So, um, yeah. you know, so... You know, we commend that work, and, and it's just, uh, uh, but something has to be done about recidivism. And I think, again, to go back to uh, what do we do? Well, we got to know why people are doing what they're doing. And I think that goes back to trauma, shame, you know, feeling lost, feeling hopeless. I think you just nailed it. Why are we doing what we're doing? Asking that on a broad level, a societal level, an individual level corporate let me all these different levels i mean why are we doing what we're doing right well and i'm gonna i'll you know kind of finish off uh my my part of this just by sharing an observation um from my research one of the things i learned about folks in and i don't i worked with men only i didn't get approval for the the women's prison gotcha. um, in my research but what i found was these guys you know i had a lot more in common with these folks than not people in prison people who've had these experiences they're a lot more like everybody else than unlike everybody else you know and i think i think when we work with people we got to remember that that you know they're not that much different different struggle different journey so well we appreciate you tuning in again everyone and again reach out to us if you have questions or comments and we appreciate that we appreciate you listening And uh, we'll talk to you next week. Catch you next week. This podcast is made available by Upstart Resilience, LLC, for educational purposes only, as well as to give you general information and a general understanding of the subject matter. This podcast is not designed to give specific professional advice. By using this podcast, you understand that there is no counselor-client relationship nor any other professional relationship between you and the hosts. This podcast should not be used as a substitute for competent professional advice from a licensed professional in your state.